Warning, this is not a joke. Carry on reading, or you will die. Once there was a little girl called Clarissa. She was 10 years old, and she lived in a mental hospital because she killed her mom and dad. She got so bad, she started to kill all the staff in the hospital. So the government decided the best idea was to get rid of her. So they set up a special room to kill her. As humane as possible, but it went wrong. The machine they were using went wrong. She was sat there in agony for hours until she finally died. Now every week on the day of her death, she returns to the person that reads this letter. On Monday night at 12, she creeps into your room and kills you. But slowly, and painfully slowly, cutting different parts of your body and watches you bleed to death. If you don't send this to 20 people by midnight, she'll be coming to kill you. Send it so she has another load of people and forgets about you. You don't believe me? Hey. Example 1. Jenny didn't believe this and deleted it without even reading the whole thing. A few days later, on Monday night, she was woken up by loud footsteps and heavy breathing. There was Clarissa, standing there with a huge knife. And while Jenny is history now... Example 2. Tom only sent it to five people because he thought he'd be safe. It was probably just a joke anyway. But oh, how wrong he was. He died the next night on Monday, and I'll tell you, it wasn't pretty. Just because he sent it to five people, he didn't complete the task. Example 3. Joanna sent it to 19 people, and she thought it was close enough, and would do, but she was wrong. She died that night on Monday, once again. That delightful bit of cringe was brought to you by Internet Chain Letters. That particular one has been circulating at least since the 1990s, various names, various formats, but it's always specifically a little girl that's going to kill you at some particular time because you did not pass along the email to X amount of friends. And if you didn't have enough friends, well, that's what AOL chat rooms are for. Chain emails are simply a more modern variation on the old chain letter, where people would write something down, asking somebody for some reason to pass this along to other people, spreading it out, and if we're talking about graph form, it's kind of gonna end up looking a bit like a pyramid. You have your originator, and then everybody has to send it out to more people, and more people, and more to people. Passing it along is almost always gonna be the end game to this. The motivation to send it along can be divided up into several different categories. The story that opened this episode is in the horror and curses vein. It incentivizes people not to break the chain via fear, normally of death, caused by typically some kind of supernatural entity. There's another story of a girl with no eyes and no nose coming to kill you for either she died in a mental hospital or she killed her parents just because she's crazy, died via a horrific event due to her actions, and now she's continuing her killing spree from beyond the grave. There's another one about a teen who was pushed down a well and died during an act of bullying. The offenders denied it and the cops believed them. So now they spend their afterlife seeking revenge on anybody that doesn't pass along this chain letter. The majority of chain letters will rely on some form of superstition to get somebody to pass it along. There is a category that focuses heavier on religion to incentivize this behavior. Typically, it reads along the line of you're passing along the word of insert whatever religious deity here. The reason given is normally to expose more people to their teachings. Some will even blend the curses and religion categories and say, if you pass this along, something good will happen. But if you don't pass it along, something horrible is going to happen. Some it's just a generalized curse of bad luck. Some get really extra with it and threaten eternal damnation. 
We can see a more modern version of these types of chain letters in social media posts that do the one like equals one prayer. Some even say one share equals 10 prayers, again, further incentivizing passing it along. And often that type of manipulation is used so people can feel like they did something good in a situation where they might feel completely hopeless or not really know what they can do to help. That feeling of guilt or empathy towards another person absolutely drives the next group we're going to talk about, charity. Variants on charity chain letters did exist before the internet. They've definitely taken off since the advent of social media. Now, instead of asking for money, it's almost always formatted the same. For every X amount of shares or likes this post gets, some big company is going to donate X amount of money to a charity. Some even get personal about it and say for every like and share, they're going to donate money directly to a person in need. The person is almost always a sick child accompanied by some kind of picture of them in the hospital with tubes up their nose and IVs in their arm. And it's really hard not to feel for that. But unlike the horror or religious categories, regardless of what you believe, finding hard evidence that ghosts exist or don't exist is still up for a lot of debate and speculation. The exact same thing goes for most religions. But charity posts can absolutely be disproven, and they have been multiple times. Big companies, charities, as well as social media platforms themselves have all gone on record. There's not really a way to track likes and shares. And one of the big reasons for this is it's incredibly easy to separate a social media post from its original creator. If it's a post that's nothing but text, you can copy paste it. If it has an image, you can simply download that image and repost it, or you can save yourself a step or two and take a screenshot. Plenty of posts from one platform get shared to another platform via these methods, so there is no way to definitively track who has shared this or liked it. As much as we all now realize social media is tracking us, something like this is still out of their reach. And some people don't even bother with the guise of charity and flat out just ask you for money. A prime example of this is the Nigerian print scams. If you're unfamiliar with these, you get an email from somebody saying they're a prince, they have some money tied up in an overseas bank account, and basically asking you to finagle around bank accounts with them, and they'll normally pay you back with an insanely high interest rate for your time. Another claims that some kind of philanthropist, typically Bill Gates, is doing a sort of lottery. With everybody who shares the post, he's going to pick one person, and they're going to get an insane amount of money. Or anyone who shares this gets X amount of money. Well, it sounds very close to the charity scams, which it is. The reason I've separated these out from charity posts is because the motivation is a little bit different. Both of these rely on the idea of money for nothing. Jury's still out on if we get our tricks for free or not. The charity posts rely on if you hit a button, we're going to try and help somebody else out in some kind of way. But these rely more on the mentality of you're going to get a massive windfall as the primary motive. This is a classic example of there is no free lunch. If you're going to give people that information, they are going to use it in malicious ways. The charity ones also assume that a lot of people are going to want to help out a sick child, which is a much more broad umbrella. A lot more people are going to be down for that. Well, things like the Nigerian print scam often target people that are mentally incapacitated. The next category of chain lenders, I'm just going to refer to as the challenge group. Reason being is it almost always states some kind of strongly held political or religious belief. They almost never cite sources for these facts, and when they do, the sources are questionable at best. But they always end with, only 2% of people will share this. Are you brave enough to have this on your wall? It's a pretty basic motivator and just complete reverse psychology. 
you're challenging people and saying they're not brave enough to post something and they're gonna go, well, I'll show you. When we apply a little bit of logic to it, there's no way in the world they can know only X amount of people are gonna share this post out of everyone who sees it. If you're familiar with this type of post, you're probably gonna realize it's all coming out of the same handful of people. Seems like if somebody posts one, they will always take up that challenge. Bonus points if it has a minion or a poorly drawn cartoon. The next group rests completely on tech illiteracy. This one seems to have fallen more out of vogue since more and more people have grown up with technology and understand better how computers work. I've only ever seen these in email format, but what it would be is a chain letter saying that when you forward this on, sometimes to X number of people, sometimes just forwarding it in general, something would pop up on your screen that was apparently amazing. Once you forwarded these emails, the only thing you're ever going to see is a screen saying you had forwarded that email or your inbox itself, neither of which are really that miraculous. Another one that fits into this but isn't really plausible is services becoming pay-only or deleting members. This one seemed to take root when Hotmail was really big, and they kept saying that they were over capacity, so any user that wasn't getting that particular email was getting deleted. Again, that's simply not how systems like this work. And it seems like every few years, Facebook has to quell rumors that they're going to become a pay-only service. The last category we're looking at sometimes isn't completely fictitious, and that is police warnings. Certain things like flashing your high beams at an oncoming car as a gang initiation have been debunked multiple times. They say they're from a police department when they're really not. Unfortunately, though, sometimes things do get around they just become woefully outdated. An example of this was sent to me just last week. I was sent a message saying, if a person with the screen name of Dreamweaver Gray, aka Slave Master, contacts you, do not reply, do not talk to this person, do not answer any whispers or requests for private on Pogo. Whoever this person may be, he slash she is a suspect for murder in the deaths of 56 women so far, contacted through the internet. Please send this to all the women on your buddy list and ask them to pass this on as well. This screen name has also been seen on a Yahoo, AOL, AIM, and Excite so far. This is not a joke. Please send this to men too, just in case. Send this to everyone you know. Ladies, this is serious. I'm going to redact this for obvious reasons, but the version I received specifically has somebody's first name, last name, their job title, an address, and two phone numbers attached to it giving this a bigger air of legitimacy. This is a warning about somebody, but the details are grossly exaggerated. Those screen names were attached to John Edward Robinson Sr., who was arrested on June 2nd, 2000. I'm going to say that again. June 2nd, 2000. I'm recording in April of 2019. So this is almost a 20-year-old message. Robinson was charged with the sexual assault of two women in Kansas City. He lured them into participating in sadomasochistic sex by contacting them over the internet under the screen name of Slave Master. Two women filed charges against him after he brutalized them in a way that went beyond what they intended. What those women went through was horrible and should not be minimized at all, but it is far from a claim of 56 murders. I'm actually surprised this one is still even going around with the original Slave Master Dreamweaver screen names. What kept this one circulating for a while is people would change the screen names in it, either as a prank for their friends or to cause a whole lot of grief to somebody they didn't like because even though it warns you not to contact them, 
people are going to contact him. While the mediums may have changed, the style and reason behind these chain letters rarely do. The spelling errors and random capitalizations, though, are alive and well. With religious and charity-themed chain letters, it's pretty clear people honestly believe they're doing good. They think if I can press two buttons and help out a sick child or help somebody out through a rough patch in their life, why in the world would I not do that? And there is a strong amount of guilt in not doing this incredibly small task to try and help somebody else out. And the Nigerian print scams, it's clearly greed. The police warnings are where this gets a little tricky because oftentimes these do start out as legitimate and are meant to raise awareness. When they become outdated, either the original poster did not update the original post, the reshare has been separated from the original post so there's no way they could have known, or people simply just don't check the source or comment section well enough. While passing along certain information as a warning can still be helpful even when the situation's passed, there are times this can be incredibly damaging with missing people or animals. People want to help spread the word and get more eyes on it because it's something they know they can do, what often feels like a situation where they can't actually do anything. The issues come in when the child or animal has already been found, but sometimes that's not always alive. While well-meaning, it becomes an extremely painful reminder of the families because they're getting notifications on social media, sometimes emails and phone calls, forcing them to relive a bad experience in their life. Even if they were returned alive and fine, most people don't want to relive when they didn't know they were alive and fine. There was a plea going around several years ago about 52 thoroughbred horses that were destined for slaughter if adopters weren't found. Luckily, the horses were rehomed, but even years after the fact, this post is still shared so often. A lot of missing animal groups now have to filter posts, which is taking more of the moderator's time because if it isn't deleted, it's detracting from current situations that people actually can help with. As for the horror and curse group, there is an amount of superstition and people might honestly believe that if they don't share this along, something bad's gonna happen. Other times it really is just passing along a scary story because plenty of these are just rewritten urban legends that people love to share anyway. At this point, we've talked about the types of chain letters and why end users are still motivated to share them, even after all these decades of everybody being annoyed by them. But why are they created in the first place? Some people simply want to see how far something will go. Plenty of local news programs have had a mascot that's a slip of paper that can fit in an envelope that they send around to different places and document their adventure. A more recent incarnate of this would be, I want to prove to my class how quickly things can get shared on social media and how far they can go, typically asking people to comment with their location. While this guest could have a secondary use for data mining, typically it's done to prove a point about how rapidly things move on social media and how nothing they share is private. But these are in the same vein as the challenge posts, or I bet this won't even get one like or share, and it's a picture of a puppy or a baby. Of course, people are going to share puppies and babies. It's watching how far these things can spread, but it's also a nice little ego boost when you see a post that got a lot of likes and shares. When it comes to large companies that are often tied to these type of things, it can be a disgruntled ex-employee or customer just attempting to damage their reputation. There have been multiple companies, the most recent iteration I have seen is Cadbury, that have been supposedly linked to a disgruntled employee infecting the food on the line with their HIV-tainted blood. I can find no evidence of this being true. The idea of inadvertently consuming somebody's bodily fluids, specifically blood, is gross. But mentioning that the employee had HIV-tainted blood 
is playing off a lot of old fears and misconceptions about the way HIV works. The virus itself doesn't live that long outside of the human body. So the idea that the blood-tainted food would make it through the production process, which may or may not involve heat, only to be packaged, then put on a shelf for however long until somebody buys it, that virus is long dead and we're left with the ick factor of the blood. This is the you-can-get-AIDS-from-a-toilet-seat myth repackaged. And there are plenty of reasons to start a rumor like this. You're an angry customer, you're an angry employee, you're an angry ex-employee, and some people will just want to watch the world burn and there's not really motivation beyond that. As for services becoming pay-only, there tends to be two different sources for that. Either somebody seeing a legitimate news source and either misinterpreting it, or it was originally misreported and they never saw the correction or just didn't pay attention to it. The second is taking an unreliable source as fact, either the classic friend of a friend, or taking a dubious news source or social media post as fact. And sometimes both can be the case. The big modern target for this seems to be Facebook. When they started getting big, there were a lot of news reports worried that they were expanding too fast. And they worried like a lot of fledgling companies and couldn't afford the rapid expansion. And now logically, somebody watching the newscast or even the newscaster themselves could have editorialized and said, well, why don't they just start charging for Facebook? And with that in place, we can easily see the line to Facebook's going to start charging fear-mongering. That is the way a lot of misinformation gets spread around. But the reason for Facebook in specific will be explained in just a moment. When chain letters started making their way onto the internet, they were normally passed around via email. And what some of you may remember is at the top of these messages, there was always a huge list of emails of everybody it had been sent to. Because most people just didn't bother to copy paste it out and just forward it along what they got. Making these a goldmine for farming emails. The reason certain scams like the Nigerian Prince endure is because you cast a wide net. And if you cast a wide enough net, you're bound to catch a few people. So these email addresses allowed them to do that. The reason this ties into Facebook, when the going pay-only rumors started to swirl, those posts originally had links. The link was leading people to malicious sites. So if you fear monger enough that Facebook's going to go pay-only, people freak out. They share it more, meaning that malicious link gets a wider audience. When you get a wider audience, the chances are greater somebody is going to fall for it and click. Forwarding around bunk information is far from new. Social media has made that a lot simpler because all we have to do is hit retweet or share, and it's immediately up on our wall. We don't have to worry about finding 20 email addresses. We have hundreds of friends that are now a potential audience. And there have been psychological studies done showing that people that often share these also tend to be viewed as oversharing on social media to begin with. It's also a convenient, low-impact way of contacting people when your friend circle gets too big. Now, instead of having to call somebody or composing a text or an email, you can simply share something to their wall, and that becomes the new, I reached out to you, now it's your turn. While chain letters have been around for decades, their pop culture representation and horror isn't as strong as you'd think. Oftentimes, they seem to be mixed with something else. The first example I could find was the 1997 anthology film Campfire Tales. One of the stories was simply an updated version of the People Can Lick 2 urban legend. Instead of it being just some random person breaking into her house while her parents are away, it was actually somebody she had been speaking to in a chat room, posing as a girl her age named Jessica. Through this interaction, the perpetrator was able to get her name, which was her screen name anyway, where she went to school, and that she was going to be home alone that night. 
Where this ties in is at the end of the story, the narrator says, if you're ever in a chat room and someone named Jessica comes in, get out quick. And in that line, this now becomes the Dreamweaver Slave Master Police Warning Chain Letter. Even though it does predate it by some time, the logic's very clear. The 2012 film Smiley rests on the premise that if you type something into a chat room, Smiley will appear and murder you. While that premise of Bloody Mary Ask, the idea of having to type something into a chat room just to see if the curse is real is heavily steeped in chain letters. Typically, you passed it on to avoid the bad thing. But if you're looking to test boundaries, which is the age a lot of the characters in the film were at, it makes sense to do that with a goofy urban legend. And while it predates it, the 2010 film Chain Letter is 100% based off the same idea. People receive an email. If they don't forward it on to X amount of people, they die in a horrific fashion. This ends up being a cautionary tale about interconnectivity and the dangers of sharing too much online. It's all based around the notion that a letter was sent, the criteria outlined in it wasn't met, and they suffered consequences for it. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. I'd also like to take a moment to thank our patrons, Carla Hoffman, Goni, G's96, and Scotty Robot. Their support of this channel is deeply appreciated. If you would like to contribute to this channel financially, there is a Patreon and a Ko-fi listed down in the description. Even if you don't, your time and viewership is always appreciated. Thank you. A few days later on Monday... A few days later... A few days later on Monday, 